Hello, Hooray for Monday listeners. It's Aletta. As we begin Teacher Appreciation Week, I want to start by saying thank you. Thank you to the teachers who inspired me to become a teacher myself. Thank you to the teachers who nurtured me through those early years of my career. Thank you to the teachers I've come to know through nearly 30 years of work with Inspired Teaching, all of you who strive to help your children reach their full potential, often under really difficult circumstances. Thank you to the teachers who taught my own children and helped me learn new things about them as they grew through school. Teachers have been at the core of my entire life. As a teacher myself, I know full well that one week is not enough to recognize the far-reaching work you do, but it's useful to take this pause and show gratitude for a profession that does nothing less than keep humanity moving forward. It's fitting then that today I get to share with you insights from a newcomer to this vital work. Today I'm joined by Bella Kavicki, a former colleague at Inspired Teaching, who moved to London and last year became a teacher. Welcome, Bella. Tell us where and what you're teaching right now. Sure. Hi. Um, I am teaching uh, drama at a secondary school in the sixth form in London, which is the equivalent to a middle school and high school in the United States. Um, it's a lovely place called Chigwell School. Fabulous. What got you into teaching? Why did you decide to become a teacher? Well, very good question. I think... Often you were just describing all the teachers in your life, and I feel like I can do the very same and look back and look at school as just such a meaningful place. And even though I have a lot of critiques about school and how school is often traditionally run, I can also recognize, I like hold both truths that school is really um, difficult for a lot of students and kids, um, but school is also a really powerful and meaningful place. And I want to get it to, I'm just so inspired and passionate about making sure every child has that chance for school to be a place of joy. And so, I don't know, teaching felt like maybe the most direct route into that work or into that mission. And additionally, I'm doing drama, which of course is such a creative subject and it brings me so much happiness, I think, um, as an artist myself. And so then how to help other people find that creativity, um, no matter their age, is quite powerful work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Bella, you started working with us at Inspired Teaching when you were in your senior year of college. Mm -hmm. And I remember you shared your thesis presentation with our staff and it was right up our alley. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I started, as you just said, Inspired Teaching as a senior when I was at Brown University. Um, There I studied what they have an individual major program. So my major was in literacy and the performing arts. So I was really interested in this intersection of theater, education, and meaning making. Um, and so when I had an opportunity to write a thesis, it was actually during COVID, the COVID pandemic, the height of the pandemic. Um, and so I started to investigate like, what is theater education online? Um, and what do we learn from that experience? And what do we take from it? And how does that then inspire teaching moving forward? And so I had the pleasure of speaking with theater educators um, across the country in the United States about their experience teaching Zoom to early childhood, or teaching Zoom theater to early childhood students. Um, and so those would be like three, four, five, six, seven-year-olds. Um, and then talking a lot about the imagination and play and joy as motivating factors for learning in these spaces. And in fact, that just because they're online, 
um, doesn't take away from those. It's, it's just, it's in a different form or a different function. Yeah, I could speak of it for days. I think it's just so wonderful. Even if as we're moving out of Zoom teaching, the fact that they could hold that space and take something or find something really good and I think a really challenging time was very inspiring. Bella, you were working on your, your thesis and doing work with school drama programs while the pandemic was in full swing. Mm-hmm. figuring out how to do this teaching with improvisation thing online. Yes. <laughs> I remember sharing notes with you about that experience, getting ideas from each other as we were doing the same at Inspired Teaching. We were teaching mm. teachers online. We made it work. But what do you love best about teaching in person now? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, right. Because I, I don't want to necessarily say that Zoom teaching is bad because I think that's often the narrative of like, oh, it sucks. And we're just so grateful to be back in person because I think it's like apples and oranges. Zoom teaching is its own form of teaching. And I love it. But I think what I can do now in person is be in this like the space, the theater making space, the drama making space with my students. Whereas before you have that that physical barrier of the computer. So there's something really lovely, I think, about sharing physical space with one another. And it, I think it establishes a really powerful community because you, you're all in the same room. You're kind of, you have that physical gathering and maybe that feels very simplistic or like uh, overexplained. But I think like at the end of the day, my whole argument is that teaching is about that community building. And so to actually do that in person and do that with multiple classes day in, day out, um, I feel so lucky. That's wonderful. We we've I've been writing a lot about school connectedness, which is so yeah. important to to keep us all mentally and physically healthy, and, and mm-hmm. certainly speaks to what you're talking about. In fact, one of the things you speak to so beautifully in today's piece is the importance of shifting the narrative mm. about the first years of teaching away from what we so often hear, which is focus on the negative and the challenge. It's going to be so hard. You better yeah. not let those kids get away with anything. You bet it's going to be mm-hmm. exhausting and giving more of the spotlight to the joy. Listeners are going to hear what that has looked like in your experience. But why do you think it's important, big picture, to focus on the not just the challenges, but also the positive for brand new teachers? Yeah. Well, it's really interesting, I think, entering teaching right now because it feels like everywhere you turn, whether in the UK, the US, and I'm sure other countries, um, there's this narrative of the teacher like retention crisis, like teachers are leaving the classroom in droves. And it's like, well, why am I actually choosing this profession if I'm told everyone is leaving it? And so I think it's partly like proclaiming, no, I I want to be here. And not that saying that everyone needs to stay in teaching if they're not, if it's not working for them, that's certainly not the narrative. But rather, I think it's really saying like, oh, joy can, or like allowing ourselves the permission to feel joy in our work that teaching can be really joyful, really playful, really magical when we go back to like the core of it, of that teaching is really just, it's a, it's all interpersonal relationships. We have to be human to human or building, building that community, building that trust before we can even think about the content. Um, So I think that's the bigger picture is that if we are going to look at teaching and like allow teaching and learning to adapt as we move forward in the world and whatever that holds, because it's so unpredictable, um, I think it's it's not like joy isn't a privilege. Joy is like a necessity for everyone, no matter their profession, but certainly teaching where it's, we are working with people every day and many people, you could have 30 students in one class. And so that is 30 people in front of you. And so if you can't find joy in it, then I think that's a, a true shame for all that teaching can do and offer. 
Absolutely. Joy at the core is so, so important. Yeah. Is Teacher Appreciation Week, is that something that happens in London too? Is that celebrated? Yeah, absolutely. Share the same week. So we'll be celebrating it alongside everyone in the States. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Bella, thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for giving us this window into your world. And here we go. I'm Aletta Margolis, and this is Hooray for Monday your weekly inspiration and toolkit for the week ahead. Reflections from a first-year inspired teacher. Hooray for Monday, May 8th, 2023. And now, here's Bella. Look up what to expect in one's first year of teaching and you'll find a range of warnings. Don't smile or your students will take advantage of you. Be prepared to work long hours to meet the demands of administrators and parents. Avoid the job of teaching altogether before it's too late. As a new teacher myself, I suppose this is advice I could heed. I'm in my first year of working as a drama teacher in a secondary school in sixth form in London, the equivalent to a middle school and high school in the United States, and my first seven months have been challenging and exhilarating in equal measure. And again, as a new teacher, I must admit I often fit the stereotypes. I'm slightly naive, overly optimistic, and prone to overthinking each lesson because everything remains new and novel. Even with that in mind, what I've discovered so far is that the intention behind these warnings isn't necessarily wrong. Teaching is tough, a job inclined to burnout due to a myriad of factors big and small. But I wish that for just as much as we are cautioned about the challenges of teaching, we new educators are also told about the ample joy, reward, and sense of community that you can find in the classroom. Because here's another, if unsurprising, discovery. It's these qualities that have me excited to return to school each day. Throughout the year, I've held steadfast to my beliefs that students deserve mutual respect and that their needs must be met through the learner-centered approach that Inspire Teaching advocates for. We teach content, yes, but also, and more importantly, we teach people. What happens when we treat the classroom as a community in which students and teachers alike have an equal stake? My experience so far suggests a whole lot of joy lies in this perspective. Take, for instance, a recent experience with my middle school students. We were due to start a new unit on improv, and I had already spent several weeks devising lesson plans that ensured we covered all of the curriculum, down to the very prompts I'd provide students for their final improvised performances. But it was here that I realized that I had failed to live up to my belief in the classroom as a community. If I had moved ahead as planned, my students would have little say in this learning. And so I went back to the drawing board, revising my plans so that students were empowered to make decisions themselves. The guiding question not, what is the answer, but what do you think? As a result, our final lesson was an array of creative stories all set at a 24-hour dance competition, a prompt far better than what I could have created on my own. Or here's another example. Teachers in the UK are each assigned a form, a group of students that you look over pastorally. I liken it to being their school parent. I see these students twice a week for form time, an open period left at the direction of the teacher. Form time runs the risk of being prescriptive, but I've embraced it as yet another opportunity to foster connection through the practice of circle time, where we sit in a circle and anyone in the group can pose a topic for discussion. When I was running late one day and arrived in my room to discover my students already circled up and deep in conversation, I was reminded of the power of both a ritual and having a say. These are just two examples, but within all my classes, I endeavor to keep community at the forefront. 
I prioritize learning names. I play with space, teaching from the floor and sitting at students' desks and gathering everyone in a circle. I start lessons with gentle check-ins about our days, welcome regular feedback about what and how we're learning, and I'm transparent with classes about what I find interesting, curious, or difficult. I care that my students both have fun and step outside of their comfort zones, adjust in my teaching accordingly. None of these actions are particularly groundbreaking, but taken together, they reflect my realization that you cannot separate our shared need to feel seen and heard as humans from our ability to teach and learn. Of course, I recognize that I'm able to do all of this with such ease because I teach drama, a subject where flexibility and creativity abound. But I also know and believe that this approach championed at inspired teaching is not siloed to the arts, even if drama seems to have an easier job of it on the surface. Because what truly constitutes inspired teaching is building community and fostering relationships. I like to frame teaching as a job of facilitating connection to content, to context, to one another, and to the world. When I look at teaching in this light, it's hard not to feel inspired to carry on this work. To be a teacher is no doubt tough, but let us not lose sight of the joy and community that underpins our job. Links to the resources are in the written version of Hooray for Monday, as well as the notes for this episode. Resources, joy-filled activities. Random walk, want a joyful way to have students review concepts for end-of-year exams? This improvisation-based activity is just the ticket. Students must work collaboratively to demonstrate knowledge in a physical way, all without words. Seven bikes. Tap into the joy of letting the imagination run wild in this activity that combines observation and inquiry as learners stretch their minds to find multiple answers to the same question. Finding smiles. In this activity, each student in a class is paired with someone whom they will secretly observe, noticing what this classmate does that makes them smile. Then they debrief their observations, sharing learning and joy with one another. What we're curious about. Each week, a member of the Inspired Teaching community shares something that's piquing their curiosity. Maybe it will spark yours too. This week, we hear from Bella Kavicki, a teacher and former Inspired Teaching Program Associate. At school, I live by my timetable, the grid of the lessons I teach a means of organizing my week. Likewise, outside of work, I'm known to keep long lists of tasks to complete and projects I like to do and places I want to visit in my free time. Like us all, time, and the lack thereof, plays a significant part in how I live my life. Which is a rambling way to say that something I am ever curious about is time. Who decides what is a good use of time? How do we position ourselves in relation to time? What is time, really? I find myself mulling these questions over and over as I go about my day, governed by the clock, and yet also curious if and how we can resist its control. Driven by my wonder, I read a lot on time, including, most recently, Jenny O'Dell's Saving Time, a book that encourages us to see time beyond a transaction. I like engaging in this dialogue about something that feels so fundamental as it feels like an act of radical reimagining. What other things do we take as set in stone that we don't necessarily need to? Professional learning. Registration is live for our Teaching with Improvisation Fellowship. Are you a DC teacher? 
Don't miss this opportunity. This summer, Center for Inspired Teaching invites teachers of all subjects and grade levels at Washington, D.C. schools to an invigorating learning experience grounded in the art of improvisation and the five core elements that lead to an engagement-rich classroom. Join us in person, June 27 through 29, to build creative teaching practices using improvisational techniques. Lunch will be provided daily and participants will receive a stipend. The application deadline is May 15th. Space is limited, so apply today. The program is free and includes a stipend for participation. You can find the application in the written version and the notes for this episode. The theme for our May Inspired Teaching Institute is 10 Ways to End the School Year with Joy. Online, Monday, May 8th, 3.45 to 5 p.m. Eastern, or online, Wednesday, May 17th, 7 o'clock to 8.30 p.m. Eastern. As the school year winds to a close, there's joy in the completion, but there's also cause for celebration in the journey. In this institute, participants will explore 10 different year-end activities that range in duration from 10 minutes to several days. Each activity keeps the learning going and makes use of the community you've built over the course of the school year. These standards-based activities are applicable to multiple grade levels and subject areas. All registrants will receive an e-booklet with full descriptions of all the activities in the Institute. This program is free. Certificates of completion will be provided for all participants. Registration links are in the written version and in the notes for this episode. Youth programs. Applications for real-world history are open for school year 23-24. All DCPS, charter, and independent high school students are invited to apply for this innovative year-long honors level after-school course. More information and application links are in the written version. Hooray for Monday is an award-winning weekly publication of Center for Inspired Teaching, an independent nonprofit organization that invests in and supports teachers. Inspired Teaching provides transformative, improvisation-based professional learning for teachers that is 100% engaging intellectually, emotionally, and physically. Our mission is to create radical change in the school experience away from compliance and toward authentic engagement. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.